Greetings, everyone. Welcome again to the Chief Yuya podcast. We're on uh, episode 95 of season two. Episode 95 of season two. And of course, I want to welcome you and I want to thank you for coming through. Uh, in our last segment, 94, we had an opportunity to look at some of the responsibilities of the elder man and more importantly, uh, some of the things, the responsibilities of a husband, you know, someone who is holding the master position and the steward over a household. And in this session, we're going to deal with, uh, kind of a throwback. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to throw back, throw back, throw black. <laughs> we're going to throw back in so many different ways, uh, with our subject and some, and a few other things. So some years ago, in fact, eight years ago, I did a segment, uh, by the name of the six Kama Sutra and the 64 Arts. And that segment I did April 4th of 2015. So it was, it was a while ago. And I just gave a, a cursory listing on 64 arts as described in the, in the Kama Sutra, uh, that women could, uh, explore or should explore and essentially see as foundational and and base qualities that they may take on and have in order to just explore more about what their nature is and and who they might choose to be and who they might want to show up as as women so it was a uh, a beautiful segment and because it's such a uh, old segment at the time I did that segment on blog talk radio when I was doing uh, live shows on blog talk radio and because it was so old it it was archived and removed but fortunately every single segment that I ever do I keep a double copy of for myself so even every YouTube video every podcast whatever I have in on my own servers uh, so that way just in case anything ever happens I have a copy. I am a advocate of redundancy. And at one point in my life, I worked as an archive administrator for a corporation and working in a server room and maintaining and doing backups and restorations of, you know, um, thousands of terabytes of, of data. Okay, so I guess maybe that's where that came from. But I, I've always been into redundancy in it anyway because I don't trust these systems. And, you know, so interesting about the blog talk radio thing is that they didn't tell um, any of us subscribers who were paying, well, I think it was about 40 bucks a month that, you know, at some point you're, you know, you could lose that after a certain amount of time. You just one day people were saying, you know, I'm clicking on these old segments and the link is there, but it's not playing anything. There's no audio there. And that's how I found out. So we did a whole project of we, where we restored all of those old segments and categorize them and put them in folders that will be coming forth soon. Um, but nonetheless, for this segment, I'm going to actually share just a portion of that, that segment, which was still pretty sizable where I actually go over the 64 arts. All right. So we're going to review that again. And again, one of the things that I mentioned is these are arts that men should already have and that women should develop. But I want to also add something in before we get into it. And that's, you're going to hear some things and willfully now, if you've been following along and you've been with us all this time, you're able to now to discern maybe some of the more allegorical or the more abstract teachings that I may bring to you and may understand that some things that may be mentioned in the segment. Now, maybe you can see them with a different perspective. Even if you go back and listen to the old Arisha segments, you know, sometimes people have said, oh, well, you're teaching something different now. And I have to tell them, no, go back and listen. Not teaching anything different, you know, expanding upon what I was already teaching. But I gave you the basis of certain things before and willfully. Now you can see how it connects. You know, uh, someone said that to me not too long ago. I said, go back to the first. Uh, well, it really was the second Arisha segment I ever did, which was Eshu. I did Orid and I did Eshu. And I said, if you look at the title, it's Eshu and a Tetragrammaton. So I said, from the very second segment, you heard me speaking about 
Hebrew letters and Kabbalah. I said, I've, I've, I've always taught this. Always. <laughs> you know? So, uh, you just heard the part you wanted to hear and sure enough they was like oh my god you're right I because they saved the second I was like go back and look at the file name of what you saved and and listen to it and see what I was talking about <laughs> you know so sometimes if you if you can follow a thread and kind of unravel it you'll see the interconnectedness and if you can that's great because you you'll start to see how the universe is compiled it's through these interconnecting dots or these interconnecting moments of transcendence that you're able to go through but uh sometimes we think a new thing is being done when it's not a new thing it's just willfully um sometimes you get to a point where your understanding is opening up where more things can be shared with you and then sometimes you, you get to a point as a as a teacher where you say you know what you may not get this you may get this or you may not get this but i gotta say it now because i may not be here to say it tomorrow so some things is gonna let you know now you know and those moments and those times are are approaching so anyway like i said we'll be sharing some of that so be sure to have your your note taking apparatus available and ready because it was a, it was a really good segment and uh, as in all segments, before we begin, we're going to start with our proverb and our movie. So our proverb uh, for this segment is as follows. Variety is necessary in love. So love is to be produced by means of variety. Okay. And... For our last segment, you know, the movie we, we went over was Avatar, Way of Water, that beautiful three-hour <laughs> adventure. I told you it was long, you know, but willfully it kept your attention. I know some of you probably fell asleep on it, but um, maybe you went back and watched it and, you know, dug into it some more. There's so many things that were there, but one of the, the, the aspects that you may have noticed in the very beginning is the term sky people that they use there. And if you checked out the segments I did on Anu Life Global Ministries on who are the sky people, you know, you would know willfully as soon as you see that word sky people or that term sky people, anything sky, you know, you're dealing with um, Anunnaki information, regardless of what the the movie is. I mean, there's so much. And at some point I may do a breakdown on both movies. I was thinking about it because there's a lot to share. Um, and you know, of course, as usual, when inside of our new, we had discussions and stuff afterwards, but I usually try not to share too much in those discussions because I like my, my members to be able to kind of flow and see what they come up with before I say, well, actually this was this and this word meant that or whatever, but, uh, probably we'll do a breakdown, but you know, you got to see that, that energy of total in interconnectedness. We speak about that um, energy of all the connecting dots or like what Anansi, the spider, represented, you know, being that hub of or, or that that um, that kra or that ori where, you know, that point that connects all things in the universe, you know, but you see that within the water, the water is where, every, where everything is born and the water is where everything goes to die, you know. So there's so many different themes in that, that film and willfully you enjoyed it. For this um, session, we're going to do a little bit of a throwback, a little bit of a throwback. All right. And if you if you cool with 90s stuff, especially urban 90s stuff, you're going to be right there, right there. Um, we're going to do the film Just Another Girl on the IRT, Just Another Girl on the IRT. OK. And um, again, you'll if if. Those who have eyes to, to hear, to see and ears to uh, hear, you'll see the interconnectedness in this one. But um, this is a film that came out in 92, the actual film. And uh, it was pretty good. You know, it starred a, a girl. She was played by um, Arian, Arian Johnson. Arian um, Johnson is, uh, if any of you ever watched the Steve Harvey show, she played Aisha in the Steve Harvey show. I think that was the second season. Uh, again, more throwback, cause, right? Cause it's back in the days, but, um, you know, this, this film, it deals with a young girl by the name of Chantel, Chantel Mitchell, right? And she essentially is just a, your regular Brooklyn 
you know, young teen and in and, and the 90s coming up. And she has all these different aspirations and very, very little patience. And um, she wants to be a doctor and she wants to go to college and she's growing up in the projects and she she feels to some degree entitled to uh, certain things, though she works hard, gets great grades. You know, she's got a little job. She dresses really nice. Now, if, if any of you especially younger listeners that I have, I know there's a lot of y'all. Um, there's certain films that if you watch, if you want to know what it was like in the 90s, they, they will show you. This is one of them. There's a few of them. A lot of them, you know, you go back, it's like, nah, nobody was acting like that. It's corny, you know, but not to say that, like, this was totally on point, because, you, well, you'll see. But a lot of it was like, yeah, it was like that. When you watch films like Juice, Above the Rim, New Jersey Drive, you know, and this one's like, yeah, even Minister Society, you know, yeah, this, that was, that was it. You know, they, they captured it from, you know the 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 outfits, you know the sneakers, the, the clothing, to some degree the way they talk. Because sometimes it like they, the directors don't really understand the slang, so they just be saying stuff to just like, nah, nobody was talking like that. Yo, step off, you know, say stupid stuff. Nobody was talking like that. Step off, you know these. This is you acting super whack. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> Nobody, nobody was talking like that. Nobody was even talking like that in the eighties. <laughs> you know, so sometimes they go over over the top, and a lot of times too, because the actors and the actresses that they get in these films are like not really from the hood. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's like, nah, that's not how we would have said that. You know, like we, you know. But this is a good film. It's a nice throwback film for those of you maybe a little more up up in years. You can kind of watch this and like. I think maybe reminisce a little bit, especially with the music and stuff. If if you haven't seen it, you know, um, I, I actually not not only did I see it when it first came out, I remember when they were filming it. You know, um, it was it's a it's an indie film, in fact, um, small budget. I think they did it for like a hundred G's for for a hundred grand. Um, so you know, it has that indie film kind of look. It's you know, it's not the most pretty. In the way it's put together, but it, it covers some really, really, really good themes um, in terms of young womanhood, in terms of how young women need to be guided and what happens when they're not. Um, things such as even mate selection, really key. Um, different family models, you know, uh, single single parent families, um, mother father families, you know, nuclear families, um, even the, the aspects around respect around decorum around pride around you know again entitlement um around just you know for for me a lot of it was how do we prepare our children you know and there was a lot of of those things so it's a really good film that you know again it's staying along with our themes of the responsibilities of the of the elders and also how do we end up with this Jezebel individual how do we get there you know, what are the things that happen along the way that get us there? So, again, just another girl on the IRT is a, it's a great film to, to check out. And you could kind of explore the life of Chantel Mitchell and Arian, Arian, um, John. She actually grew up in Bed-Stuy. She's from Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, she's not too far off, off the mark in terms of, of, of her energy, you know, that she brings to the role. But, um, yeah, it's got some comedic moments too. If you understand, like, there's one scene where, you know, she goes, she falls for this guy, Tyrone. Now, of course, in every, you know, I, I got friends named Tyrone. I don't think people name their children Tyrone anymore. It's like, a, you know, it's like naming your son Leroy or something. But, um, you know, back in the days, that was it, the names. Tyrone, if you was named Tyrone and Leroy, you were not a good boy, you know. And, uh, you know, she go, she goes for this guy, Tyrone, and, you see what happens with the experiences with, with him and primarily because he had a Jeep, you know, and again, you'd have to understand nineties culture. You know, now the status symbols are different. If you pull out an expensive phone or you have some expensive, you know, you got some Yeezys on or something. It's like, Oh, the status symbols. Now, of course we still had 
things like that back then, but of course there were no phones. I mean, well, we did some some people did have phones. I'm sorry, no, cellular phones were a thing, um, and pagers and stuff like that. But a Jeep, you know, uh, LL Cool J even made a song about it. You know, cars drive by with the booming system. You know, like the Jeep was the thing to have. You know, so um, you see some of the decisions that are made based on materialism and where that leads a person right and the young man she was dealing with at the time when he she sees him go off with the other young man in the jeep and she said well i got tokens what what, was he got that i don't have i got tokens we could ride all day now you may not know what you know if you're not from new york in that era now that you could use omni and metro cards and stuff but back in the days you would use subway tokens or bus tokens to get on the bus or the subway so that's what he's referring to so there's some nostalgic things in it that you you know you have to kind of understand the context a little bit, but um, what's what's sad in many ways is that a lot of the maladies that are pointed out in the in this little small little indie well I don't call it small little indie film I'm not going to disrespect the director like that but in in the film are still very very much relevant today you know this this indie drama film it was directed by Leslie Harris <clears throat> but coming out in 1992 you know this film you would think that there would be some alterations but unfortunately dealing with hiv poverty um just political things i I don't want to i'm trying not to give any spoilers away uh these are all still very much relevant today you know uh so and so that's what we're going to be digging into all right and i'm going to get right into our teaching because uh like I said, uh, we have this listing going on. And I think you'll enjoy it. It'll give you something to kind of explore a little bit and um, tap into in terms of maybe some stuff to work on. All right. So let's get into our um, our main concept. Here we go. So let's start with number one. Singing or also What's considered to be um, vocal melody or vocal music It's the number one art And just so you know, these arts are not listed in the order of importance But just just listed And when we're dealing with the vocal art You know, that's dealing with learning uh, tempo, notes, melody, rhythm Okay And imagine how many things just come from those sciences Okay, mathematically or learning the abstract, learning con- contrast, contrast, art, arts, just from learning how to sing or, you know, vocalization. And of course, what comes after that is instruments. Now, just so you know, this was the, this D64 arts were directed towards women. Like these were all the things that women should know. So I'm going to make it clear that I'm speaking to the women, but these are also things that a woman, that a man should just have. Like you should have these already. These things you should have worked on. Uh, because it also makes you more attractive, but more appropriately, these are, these are directed towards women. So playing instruments, uh, and obviously, you know, instruments, we're talking about wind instruments, percussive instruments, string instruments. Okay. And, um, the whole science of dancing. Okay. Because dancing again, allows you for emotional release. For the release of feelings, uh, it's, it's expression. You know, I was, uh, with a, a woman years ago and she was, she was a dancer actually. And she was not as vocal about things sometimes when she was going through. You know, she was a deep feeler. So sometimes she would just go into these places and, She'd want to share it with me, but she'd have trouble getting it out. So I started doing this thing with her where I would have her dance with me. So I would say, you know, dance what you're feeling. And then let me try to figure out what you're going through, through the dance, you know. And um, we did this like a lot, you know, and then I would even sometimes come back because I this is when I was heavier into my drumming. So I'd pull out my, my djembe and I'd say, okay, well, this is what I think you, you said, or think, I think this is what I think the medicine is for you. And I'm going to express it through my drum. You see? And, um, that was very healing. 
for her. Like it really, really helped her a lot because then afterwards she would then be able to speak. <laughs> you know, after she she would you know do her dance and she would say, okay, well this is what I was saying, or, or like wow, that felt really good when you were drumming and dun da 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 da. So, dancing is a key part. Another piece um, which we would we would call the fourth color is drawing, and um, again drawing and drawing and writing, but and specifically drawing helps you to conjure up the likeness of another thing. Okay, that kind of takes you and puts you in a God place, like the place of the creator and creating things in your image or creating the image and the likeness of something else. Um, but also studying and learning different styles and different feelings that people express, different techniques that are using that are, that people use when they're drawing and um, writing. Also, drawing is a way to charm people. Because you start to learn that by creating an image, you can charm and convince people of certain things. Um, one of the other, the other, the other skills, what we call the fifth one, is, is cutouts, and those are like stencils, right? And um, so, like stencils, you make from paper, or, or you can even use them to create different patterns on the body and whatnot, like that. Um, in many ways, this would also be called tattooing. And I'll tell you something about tattooing. You know, henna tattoos are awesome. I, I, you know, they're beautiful to look at. But I tell you, it's beautiful to watch a woman do a, a henna because you usually see women doing them. They're really into the henna tattooing. It's beautiful to just to watch them create them. It's almost, well, I would say to me, it's just as attractive as actually seeing the tattoo on someone. Is seeing someone really get into their art and draw and create the tattoo. You know, a lot of times they use stencils and cutouts and things for that. So, you know, the tattooing is another aspect. Um, another one is is um, the arranging of flowers or uh, even like different colors of rice grains. Now, you know, again, we're dealing with Hindi culture, so these are things that are used to adorn things but more importantly this is how the shrines and the altars would be adorned through flowers and different colors of rice you see so obviously we're talking about now we're getting into the spirituality we're talking about the maintenance and the decoration and the embellishment of your jingili and your afro afro so now um another piece is flower bouquets bouquets all right and um Learning how to work with different flower bouquets is a way to decorate a space. It's a way to bring life to a space and it helps you to understand the different powers and colors. Okay. Uh, another one that's, that's often mixed up or is talked about is the coloring of the teeth or the dyeing of your, of your clothes and the dyeing of hair or even the staining of your body. This is kind of like, um, kind of like the henna tattoos. Okay. Um, but those dyes and those colors for the body are also what are used a lot of times to prepare people for ritual. And sometimes a ritual is a marriage. Okay. Uh, another skill that's advised through the Kala is mosaics. And that's basically for them that what they would advise is to take different patterns of glass and put them into a floor. Okay. Or even into a wall. And this skill. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm laughing because I've had women in my upbringing as a child who knew these arts, who would do these exact things. And as a little boy, I used to get into it, like the stencils and projects and putting things on the walls and stuff like that. And um, it wasn't until I actually read the Kama Sutra, which I think I was like uh, maybe 14, around 14 when I read the Kama Sutra, something like that. I then remember at that age looking at the women in my family with like all this awe and wonderment like wow like where did they get to because my whole thing was well, well I know grandma taught you you know my aunties and my mother who taught her who taught her and I that became a very interesting thing to me because somebody had to have taught you you know and how far back does this teaching go in my own family because these things you, you you're already doing, you know. So for me, being able to see these skills in a woman at that time was like 
staring in the face of my creator. Basic things, basic things, you know, adorning a house a certain way, sewing curtains, <laughs> making, uh, getting furniture and making new furniture covers, sewing new sofa covers or seat covers or whatever, you know. Some of us are impressed by things that seem very small. But, um, so, you know, the mosaics is one. Another one is, is, uh, what they call bed arrangements and, or the art of making beds. And that's basically, again, working with learning how to make pillows and fabrics and things like that. Um, because keep in mind that in this culture, a lot of things are done on the floor. So like even meals are eaten typically on the floor. So, you know, making those beds or those cushions or even those rugs is, it's a big deal. It's like being able to build your own dining room table, you know, but it, it, it's a great adornment for the house. Um, another science is learning to play musical instruments that are filled with water, musical instruments that are filled with water. Now, even if it's something down to just taking a wine glass, putting water, water in it and, um, you know, hitting, side with a spoon or something you know but uh that manipulation of water programming water in that way obviously is something that we learn and we study in our spirituality also um games that are dealing with water uh or what they call the spewing of water uh as they say in the kama sutra but what this is really talking about we're not really talking about, but one of the things they're advising is that women learn how to create their own reservoirs of water learn how to uh create aqueducts and even learn to some degree basic plumbing so you see elementary like when you're dealing with the elements that's uh, if you're a water element or water energy like women are you're expected to know how to deal with that element in various ways who better to do plumbing work than a woman all that copper right so shoes metal but anyway um one of the other things is the use of charms uh, but not just the use of charms in the Kama Sutra when it speaks about that they're talking about learning how to use um, charms necklaces uh, drugs and incantations okay so now we get deeper into into the magic and this was um, explained in the Kama Sutra as being a method in a way to express and deal with one's anger okay by learning these different things Okay, another piece is um, the building or the making of what you may call a, a chaplet or a, um, a, a garland. And that's like, just it's, it's basically like um, ornaments or like diadem that, that are used to decorate gods or used to decorate uh, a house even. But you decorate the house, it's like how on Christmas they have the wreaths you know christmas wreaths which actually has a um quote-unquote pagan you know i was using that word because most people who celebrate christmas wouldn't ever think it's a pagan thing but um the wreath is similar to that um another piece that's related to that is the creation of crowns okay um and crowns also being like turbans and for many of us in, a, in certain communities that would go to head wraps you know, knowing how to wrap your head properly or create a beautiful headband. And sometimes that's done using flowers. Okay. Uh, when we're dealing with the 16th Kala, we're dealing with the art of dressing, which is a key one too. learning how to choose different uh, accessories and different piece strobe based on where you are. Based on the circumstances of what's going on, basically knowing and learning how to dress for the environment or dress for the occasion, as we, we say sometimes, um, learning how to deal with ivory uh, ear ornaments or pearl ear ornaments. Again, here we're dealing with um, we're dealing with accessories and we're dealing with jewelry, but that also deals with um, the use of perfume. The use of of odors and things like that that coincides with that jewelry is another science that's supposed to be learned see all of these things that i'm mentioning they're sciences they're not just like get this get that get that and then you'll be a pretty woman there's sciences behind each of them okay so with jewelry you know we have necklaces we have waist beads we have um uh, what else? bracelets 
you know, I could remember it right now. You know, um, and many of those things are used for costume sakes or for like theater sakes. But there's times as a woman where you have to learn how to put on theater. Okay. Another, another, um, energy that's often thought about or advised based on the 20th color is the science of what they call conjuring, which is, uh, Indra Jala. Indra, and Indra Jala, as you know, Indra itself is, is a deity, but that's learning how to hypnotize people. Okay. And, um, you kind of make people see more of what's present. So you may even hypnotize your man as a woman just for him to see an army or of angels or demons around him in order to complete a certain, complete a certain task. That's typically what that's used for. Then of course, basic, um, what they call, um, I don't pronounce it. Kuchu, Kuchumera or Kuchumara. I know my Hindi is funny, but Kuchumara is, um, magic. And that's why I always remember that word. And that's, um, just the science of sorcery. So basically a basic woman, is expected to know the science of magic and sorcery. Um, and really what you're doing is you're using that magic, magical sorcery to increase your sexual beauty. All right. Now you'll find if you go to the typical Christian, black Christian church, you know, gorgeous women you see, you see in churches, you know, it's kind of amazing when you look at it based on some of the things that are being taught. Because part of the, the science of the church is glamour. Okay. And that's a clue. Because somebody asked recently. I saw it posted. They wanted to know the information surrounding the God of Christianity. Glamour. But that's not the name of the God. But it is, it is a, or the archetype. But it's an archetype that deals with glamour. Okay. So you'll find when you go into the, the church, you'll see very glamorous displays. Okay. But anyway, so because I want to get them, so then manicure or manicuring to be able to um, present hands in a way that are softened and that smell well and don't necessarily reveal one's age is also uh, another another art. But manicuring also means your manual ability. So being able to work with your hands is actually being able to work with your hands. But then at the same time to soften them. So just dealing with that oh whoa energy. Um culinary arts is I think that's the twenty uh, third color. And then you have the twenty fourth coming right after culinary arts is is the science of making drinks. And drinks are critical because they you know, even like when we're dealing with Yoruba tradition and we're dealing with Omiero or these different sacred teas or herb waters that we make, it's no different than the drinks that you would make for your family. You know, you may infuse them with certain things or you may just make a drink that uh, they're supposed to be licked and and not actually drunken down. There's a lot of drinks like that in the Kama Sutra that are to be licked, a lot of foods. And it's obviously, well, it, it, it enhances and it invigorates. It's like an aphrodisiac. Okay, so it invigorate the sexual energy. Uh, one of the other sciences that is taught is needlework. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with needlework and you're dealing with weaving, you're dealing with the science of weaving the material with the immaterial. So that opens up your mind in a totally different way. But, of course, you're also manufacturing clothes and costumes and wardrobe and piece drobe, you know, going back to the basics of food, clothing and shelter. Then you also have uh, what we call crocheting, uh, which in the Kama Sutra is called lace making. But um, this doesn't just deal with um, like. You know, crocheting, like making a scarf or something like that. But it also deals with taking, um, like vegetable fibers, making baskets, you know, or making ropes or even making like, um, different patterns and temples, like different symbols inside of the clothing that again would sustain and perpetuate the culture that you're a part of. Okay. So it's not just you just making something pretty. Um, another piece is drumming. Or what they call the art of playing um, the damaru or the vina, okay. And this is um, it's actually usually done in terms of a game, but uh, it's also an instrument that's played. And this is something that women should be able to do. So women in certain cultures are encouraged to drum, 
Okay, and that's always been a question, even in African culture. Well, not African culture, but over here in the the diaspora, like, can women drum? And women do drum. Typically, women hold down the bass notes of the drum. They don't go out front and solo. Now, you have drum troops where women do that, um, but that's not as traditional. Okay? But things change. People decide they want to try different things. All right? So another one is riddles. It's a skill. That's the 28th. Um, color and that's dealing with uh, things like conundrums, you know. And you present them, and basically what this does is, it's like say if you had guests over at the house, and a woman who's able to always bring a riddle in the middle of the floor and speak about it, you know, will always be able to break the ice and give people something to talk about, give topics of discussion, so she becomes a better hostess. Um, quotation is another one. Or what we call even the art of completing quotations. This was a form of imitation or mimicry, which was again considered to be a high science. Um, Riddles was another one, um, which basically is learning formulas. When you learn a riddle, because each every riddle that's ever said is based off of a certain formula. Okay. And um, you have to learn the meanings behind the meanings. So that gives you the skill to look within words, things like that. So another one is book binding, you know, learning how to create your own books. You know, some people used to get into this years ago with scrapbooking. Uh, the griot is another science, which is, you know, the art of storytelling. Uh, another one is um, being able to quote classics or quote, quote, certain great minds or certain literature in order to answer a question. Now, this is some of the things that you do in basic um you know, in, in school, you know, when you're writing an essay or a paper, you'll cite someone else. But being able to do that, like if you watch the, the movie The Great Debaters, you'll see that there was a woman in, in that movie. And, you know, it's one of the things that she had to learn how to do. And you're constantly learning and reading and researching different minds and different thoughts in order to quote them later. This is a skill, a basic skill. Um, being able to make... Um, Cane baskets is another one, okay? And um, again, baskets, what am I holding with the basket? I mean, so much goes into that, from children to goods, this, whatever, whatever. But you'll learn that you have to learn to create your own vehicle of economy. If I'm going to get the vegetables, I'm also going to have the means to carry and hold the vegetables. So there's a whole psychological thing behind that. Um, Woodwork is another one. Learning how to use a lathe, because a lot of times in certain societies, women actually create the um, the lathing for the houses. So the men will build the structures of the frames, and then the women will come and put the the, the straw there, or the leaves there, or the mud there. You know, and they usually do this in groups. You know, um, another piece is carpentry, knowing how to saw, knowing how to make seats, knowing how to make beds. All skills of womanhood, um, learning how to how to furnish a home, how to decorate a home, is another one. Uh, knowledge of, of crystals, stones, and uh, ancient gem work, gems is another one. Uh, polishing metals and working metals, as well as learning how to mix metal, metals to make certain chemical substances, is another skill that's uh, advocated inside of the Karma Sutra. You know, again, we're dealing with the alchemical energies there. And if you know anything about alchemy, alchemy is deals heavy with the mixture of different metals in order to make things happen. Okay. Um, another one is is knowing the different values of certain gems and stones based on their color and shape. Okay, that's considered also to be a high science. Okay. And um, agriculture is another one. Knowing how to take care of plants, but also how to take care of trees is considered a great science and a basic science of um, that young girls and women should have. Um, also teaching birds how to talk. <laughs> okay, so um, teaching parrots, basically, and what they call starlings, how to speak and say basic, basic words. You know, obviously that helps you for motherhood as well. Um, 
one of the things that I think I, I didn't mention was stock breeding, and that deals with with um, well for them it was fighting rams, um, fighting cocks, fighting partridges, and things like that, and organizing battles. So women were considered and are considered to be able to organize battle plans and warfare. And one of the ways they begin to learn this is by through cockfights, bird fighting. Okay. So, oh, massage and body and hair care is another one. I know that's a big one um, in the conscious community. There's so many women who do body work or they make products for the hair. You know, that's cool. But that's just one part. That's just one part. You know, if you listen to some of the things I'm saying. Um, sign language is another one. Or what they call the mudra. And sign language is, you know, um, not just learning sign language, but symbolic gestures that are typically used in theater and design. Okay. Because in that you learn how to communicate without speaking. I've already, you guys have heard how I've, I've spoken on that one before about the constant, incessant speaking. Just, I gotta have something to say. I gotta respond. I gotta say something. No, you don't. Not all the time. You don't have to be so defensive. So learning those signs and those movements are valuable to learn the science of latent communication. Okay. Also teaches you how the mind works in terms of simple. Uh, one of the other things that is, um, is learning how to interpret signs and symbols from other cultures or from foreign languages. Uh, being able to speak regional languages is another thing. Um, learning how to decorate with, with, um, with flowers or different chariots. So you see there's a lot as it pertains to learning how to beautify an environment or really become that Mother Netir, that Iyalode, and to create like carriages of flowers and things like that, but to create an, an entire like um, scenescape. One of the other pieces that I always thought was interesting was that women on a basic level were oftentimes advised to know how to do binding spells and how to create charms and how to make uh, different forms out of sacred geometry. Okay, and to use different symbols and learn how to use different syllables, and things, which is basically sickles, in order to make things happen. Um, and also being able to observe signs where things are going. So this is the, the observance of omens. Being able to pick and see, oh, this is getting ready to happen, and that's getting ready to happen. Um, another piece that's speaking, spoken about is the fabricating of different machines that are used for measuring time. So being able to make your own clock. Being able to do things that bring water out of the ground. Stuff like this. We're still dealing with just womanhood. And again, if, the, if a man knows these skills, that's just extra gravy <laughs> in the pot. But these were things that were considered that women should know. Um, the development of memory. Being able to remember different things. One of the things that was often studied was a dictionary in order, in order to do this. Um, and different works, classical works, reading them. Um, also having the ability to um, recite text, okay, and to go back and forth with an individual, you know, kind of like Run DMC and Salt and Pepper, <laughs> you know, but being able to recite text back and forth. This also teaches you rhythm. This teaches you teamwork, and this teaches you the sensitivity. It's like sensitivity training, learning how to read and tell where another person is going with something. Um, puns was another interesting one that was always advised that one should be able to learn and puns was also put in the, the category of poems all right um which a lot of women are into uh, i spoke about the knowledge of the dictionary but when we're talking about the the knowledge of the dictionary it's not just of etymological dialect but it's also of um of local colloquialisms so learning like the local talk of the day, the current talk of the day, as well as what those words mean and the more ancient dialects. Okay. The 55th, 55th art is poetic meter. Okay. So when you're dealing with poetic meter, again, it takes you back to being able to now combine the abstract with the logical, the abstract with the map. When you're dealing with poetic meaning, meter, which takes you into the 56 art, which is um, 
literacy forms. So different forms of stringing together um, words, of course, but different ways of, of distinguishing the words and the poems and the dialects of different groups of people. You know, and this all calls, comes in the form of like different mental exercises and things like that. Um, irregular verses that would be given and a person would have to take those verses and those prose and put them back into a certain form or compose a poem from them. Okay. Um, the 59th is, is gambling. <laughs> Let me take you to the James Bond world now, but learning how to use gaming or gambling for to either gain money for the home or just for amusement this was considered an, an art um chess was also taught so we know chess uh as given by the moors so now the fact that you see chess you, they've made it everywhere they were all over the dark old world um also, children's games is important. That was one of the arts that young girls were supposed to learn um, how to play with dolls, how to build doll houses, how to make their own toys, things like that. Again, sometimes you'll find older women who have children who don't really know how to entertain their children. The children don't really enjoy being around them. They're just not fun, you know, or they don't respect or appreciate what children do. So, like, why do you want to go? Why do you want to play in the mud? Things like that. So. Um, understanding the science and seeing it as a science of children's games and things like that also helped them to learn um, how to build things in times where there was need. You know, so you got those zombie apocalypse, you know, you know how to construct things for either their own amusement or their own use. Um, one of the other sciences that was um, considered to be an art was manners. And, you know, I've told you guys before, you can always tell who has a good religion based on their level of politeness. Impolite people usually the most, they, they don't have any, any real spirituality and they usually have a weak religion. But that science of manners, learning how to greet people properly, you know, based on, again, their cultural context was an art, just the art of greeting. Okay. Um, also, militarism was considered an art that young women needed. You know, learning how to gain success, okay, and learning different different knowledge of, of armies and, and, and arms and weapons and things like that. And these different things that brought a person into success was needed by a young lady. And um, the 64th art was physical culture. And that was the ability to defend yourself. So basically, that's martial sciences. Okay, martial sciences or what some call martial arts. And again, there were there were many other um, instructions and there are many other instructions given in the Kama Sutra, you know, such as like um, making flowers out of out of silk. Silk flowers is an art uh, making images out of clay. Is another art. Gymnastics is another art that's um, taught. Um, math games is another art that's stressed. You know, and all of these things, for me, I consider, I know it took, took an hour to go through them, but we're talking about basics of, basics of um, your personality that make you more appealing. You know, I always tell you from a spiritual perspective that if you have not covered the human basics, don't come crying to me for rituals. I can't tell you how many times people have told me they want to find a mate. I wish I had a mate. And I'll say, okay, well, when's the last time you went out? Well, I don't go anywhere. I pretty much stay in the house. So, okay, so you want a Facebook mate then, basically, or a Twitter mate. You want to meet somebody, some, somebody online. And that rarely works out because people are never honest in those environments. And plus, it's just not a real way to meet people. But you want something like that. No, I want to, I want somebody that you got, you have to get out. You have to be seen. You know, I had one woman I was working with years ago and she's, I did some work with her. She eventually did end up getting engaged, but she chased the guy off. But, um, one of the things I had spoken to her about, she wanted me to do some work for her, which I did. But first I, I said, you know, you dress like a boy. You know, you and I, and I was one day we said, I said, we have the same thing on and I don't dress like a girl. So I said, who would want this? This is not appealing. And she's a, a beautiful woman. 
I said, you're tall and, you know, you have this beautiful skin and all these different things, but you'd rather dress like a boy because you've given up hope. So she began to dress, you know, like she could, like she needed to. Developing some of these sciences that we're talking about here. She started working out, things like that, and um, joined, I think, a, a swim club or something. Yeah, but she really got into it. She was having fun with it. And, of course, eventually um, she did uh, fine someone that and they were engaged to be married and then she got cold feet and you know ran away and she regrets it she talks to me about it i wish i wouldn't have did that but the point was no no amount of ritual work that i would have done would have worked anyway until she was when she exhausted and appreciated her physical remedies first Okay, so again, the basics that sit to a lot of people say, oh, I want a mate, I want a man, I want this. I just went through a list. Do you have those things? Have you studied those things? Or are you going to say, well, who has time for all of that? If that's your answer, which I know for some of you it will be, then, you know, good luck. <laughs> but you have to exhaust your physical remedies. Okay, you have to exhaust your earthly uh, remedies, and when you conjoin with someone, you want to give them something great, not just because you say you're great, or because your your single friends say you're great. You know, but you want to be able to sit back and say, "This is what I bring to the table." Boom, just like that. This is what I bring to the table, and be able to list it and run it down. And very interesting, the same woman I'm speaking about, one time she had told me what she wanted in a man. She wanted a guy who had all this money. She said, preferably a doctor, this or that. And at the time, she hadn't been working. Matter of fact, she was out of work for like three, four years. I don't know how she was living. And she said, I want a doctor, someone with a certain amount of bank accounts, this, that, 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 that. And I said, well, why would they want you? What, 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 what would they want? You know, and she was in her mid-40s at the time with two children. And she said, because I'm the bomb. That was the answer. <laughs> you know? So uh, I said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. So that's when I started working with her and teaching her some of the things that I, I've shared with you today. It started really on that character development path. And um, after that, then like men were coming left and right. And she said, everybody's now approaching me. I said, yeah. So now you got to, you got, you get to pick now. You get to pick what you want, you know, but because you've made yourself more appealing, more interesting. And um, certainly we did some work with her. We did a lot of work with Oshun on that. But unbeknownst to her, most of the work that I was doing with Oshun was to make her more Oshun-like. Not for Oshun just to conjure someone out of the blue, but to give her that personal appreciation for her environment and for herself. And when that was, was endowed... And bestowed upon her Then she was able to Start to see Her beauty and her femininity In a better way Which allowed the rest of us to be able to see it And again these skills are considered to be those That um, Even a man should have But as far as a woman uh, It was said that Now of course after she received Or she was able to master these skills She would be called the Ganika you know, and that's a woman or a public woman of high quality. And she she gets like a even when she goes into a function, she's given like a place of honor because she's mastered these 64 disciplines. OK, um, keep in mind that we're not talking about 50 year old women. We're talking about young girls. OK. And once they got married, then they went to deeper levels of the mysteries of each of these sciences. So I say that to say that. um I know sometimes we get into our spiritual learning and training late, uh, but these are things that you have to teach young girls. And if you're older and just learning them, it's not too late to learn them. You can still be of great value to the man that you're with or the woman that you're with or the man or woman that you want to be with. Okay. All right. Now that was our session. Kama Sutra, you know, and um, yeah, like I said, that goes back eight years. Uh, April 4th, 2015, 4-4-2015. And uh, willfully, uh, you were able to relive it. For those of you who haven't had access to it all this time, 
you know, or didn't even know it existed. I'm so sure some of you even know I even did that segment. There's so many. There's over like 1,500 segments, and most of them are still in my archives, <laughs> you know, so willfully you enjoy that. I'm going to jump right into our book for um, The Strong. And our book, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a little unrelated to the topic, but it's, it's along the lines of something that we were speaking about in our, our new study group recently that was brought up and, uh, something I wanted to explore a little bit more. And again, I think that, uh, some of you will really appreciate it because, um, you know, there's, there's a sobering that, that has to happen often when we're dealing with our, our teaching and, um, especially when we're coming out of the biblical text, you know, sometimes it be, it stays in a very sort of mythological, dogmatic sort of space. And, um, it's valuable to be able to look at things from multiple sides, even some things that you may disagree with. You know, how else could you really learn to rule certain entities and energies? You don't have to run from everything, but you have to know what they look like when they approach, you know, when they're near you. It's important to learn about the occult because how would you know you're, you might be confronted with the occult on a daily basis just through the signs and symbols and emblems and sounds that are around you, which you may not know because you may be afraid to look in those directions, you know. But nonetheless, the book that we're going to um, look into is The Spaceships of Ezekiel. The Spaceships of Ezekiel. This is written by Joseph F. Bloomrich. And... um this was a book I really loved when I first read it because I, and, and it came out in 1974. It's not a, it's so we all, like I told you, we're on a throwback thing. <laughs> we, we, we're sticking with, with the throwback theme, um, in the, in these sessions or this session rather. But I really love this book because of when I first read it and I probably, um, I read it in the nineties. I, I read a man. I don't even remember. It might've been like 1990, 1991. When I first read this book, but I really loved it because it wasn't so much about the correlation with the Bible text at that time, you know, reading the book of Ezekiel, because back then I wasn't, you know, I was I was well versed in the Bible back then because I was doing a lot of um, speaking. Actually, I was doing a lot of youth pastoring. But even though I was in that environment, I was still I'm still studying my 120. I'm still studying Buddhism and all these different systems, you know, so it wasn't so much that what I really enjoy. And this is what I'm bringing out for, for those of you is the fact that, um, Joseph Bloomrich, it was his actual credentials, his actual background that I found the most interesting in relationship to the topic. So back in the seventies, and I, I spoke on this before. I don't know if it's when I did the, who are the sky people breakdown, which if you haven't checked out on the, our new life global ministries channel, Make sure you check that out and subscribe to the channel as well. And you can comment under the videos there too. But always, if you have a question for me, questions at chiefuya.com. Questions at chiefuya.com. Now, so back, back in the seventies, there was a, um, individual by the name of Eric Von Deniken and he wrote the book, uh, Chariots of the Gods, right? And I know I've mentioned that one before, but, um, he came and met with um, Joseph Bloomwich, who at the time was um, working at NASA. And Eric Eric Von Daniken did a speech at NASA. And um, in this speech, he basically spoke about, you know, Chariots of the Gods. Like the, in the Bible, the vision that, um, you know, that was being spoken about, you know, by, by Ezekiel was not a divine chariot, but rather it was a, a shuttle a space shuttle. So Bloomrich at that point, he set out to disprove Danikin's theory. He was like, this is ridiculous. Like, you know, no, this is a fairy tale book essentially. But what happened is that as he was going out, trying to disprove Danikin, he came to the, the, the conclusion like, yo, he's exactly right. Now what I found um, for me, that was interesting because Bloomrich was not just like, um, you know, he was not just another dogmatic person who was confronting Danikin's theory, but rather he was actually a scientist himself. He had won awards and everything, you know, um, from NASA 
for the work that he was he was able to do. He was um he was actually one of their their top systems engineers. You know, so this is an individual who worked in NASA. He was um he was highly decorated inside of of NASA. You know, so it wasn't like like this person was not already at a, a genius level scientist himself, right? So him going out to improve, you know, you could just you know, for me, um painting stories but you know i i always imagine like the level of arrogance he must have had like what are you kidding no let, let me let me you know kind of like what you know um there was certain scientists do you know like michael eric dyson he'll be like all right he'll grab a piece of paper and start drawing a diagram all right let me show you how this really goes you know and him digging into it immediately well maybe not immediately i don't know but eventually realizing like oh man this guy is right so with this particular work, what I liked was that Joseph Bloomrich, um, he then he he writes this book, but what he does is he creates in in the book he creates he recreates the ship that Ezekiel described, but he recreates it using his knowledge of physics and so forth and so on, and as he's doing that, he's realizing, you know, or, or I should say, he's bringing out more sciences of the actual mystery of what could have actually been been described like you know speaking about the wills within the wills and the eyes all about you know one of the things that um was noted and i don't know if he i think he noted it because i read both works but i think he he it was in bloomwich work that those were probably cameras that were that were all around the ship you know or um you know um that wheeled chariot itself, you know, th- there being certain treads that worked around that ship in order for its its movement and him being able to recreate that down to the letter. But he's like, no, this is actually something that would actually work. Now, of course, there's an array of biblical stories that um, help to support Danikin's theory. You know, um, but when you read the, the Ethiopian Bible, the, the, uh, Kebra Nagast, you start to see also there's some connections there because Solomon in that book also spoke about flying machines. But those, the flying machines that Solomon spoke about in the Kebra Nagast are not in the, um, we'll say the, the KGV, the King James Bible, you know, um, as well as like, the possession of, of the Ark of the Covenant, you know, so um, there was a, there was a lot of interesting things there when you start to put it together and you see um, the similar the, the similarities, you know, and of course, you can go outside of the Bible when you look at some of the temples in, in Peru and you see the you, not the description, but you see the images of some of these machines. They mirror the machine that was in Ezekiel, you know. Um, there's even a theory that the Ark of the Covenant was, was a plutonium reactor, you know? So, um, for those who, it's, it's, it's not a terribly long book, but those who may enjoy or might enjoy digging into the science of what is being said, like I said, it's important to attack things from different angles and the dogma is never, is never just enough. It's never just enough to just stay in that kind of dogmatic space. But, you know, being able to kind of look at stuff and, you know, like I said, um, you may read it and be like, oh, man, he, he was completely off the mark. That's that's OK, too. You know, um, because many people thought that um, Bloomrich was a quack. Like, he, be, yeah, he won all these awards and everything, but he, he lost it on this one. You know, and that's fine, too. You know, um, you don't always have to read things for agreeance. You, you're, you know, try to come in it with with an open mind. Um, but also understand that when you're dealing with certain topics, you're dealing with the elites and the elites are going to try to do all they can to turn you away or to, or to make you ask for permission to know a certain thing and to remember your place and your place is never to employ critical thinking, you know, and if you start to, to employ critical thinking, then, you know, we have to, we have to check your med prescriptions, prescriptions, make sure your dosages are correct. Maybe we need to up the milligrams on a couple of things, 
you know, because you're, you're employing too much critical thinking. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's an, it's a interesting book to read. I think you will enjoy it. And even the, the gesture style, omnidirectional tire system, which would be like the wheels and wheels. There's a couple of things that he mentioned in the book, like I said, but it was something I read a long time ago and, um, really enjoyed it. And there's several other books surrounding that subject. You know, like I said, chariot was of the gods was one of them. Fingerprints of the gods. Another one, you know, there's a bunch of them, a lot of, uh, Zechariah stitching, uh, work as well, which again, they, they all speak about this sort of alien presence, if you will. But I think I would say the spacious of Ezekiel is kind of a, abbreviated shortened but more scientific version of chariots of the gods you know um so yeah you know that's the book that we are looking at and exploring the wheels within wheels with the eyes roundabout and and uh like i said just looking at what that may be is it omnidirectional tread on tires of of wheels that are made of kind of this hollow rubber, uh, rubber, which is the same type of wheels that they use on the uh, land, the uh, the rovers, the the um, that they put on the moon, and uh, I'm sorry, not the moon, excuse me, the Mars rovers. It's the same kind of tires they use on the Mars rovers, and the cameras that they have all about the Mars rovers vehicles. So maybe they designed that off of what was what was spoken about in scriptural texts. But nonetheless, that is our our book, and that has been our segment. I'm gonna um, close it out a little earlier because I'm trying to keep within a certain time time frame. But uh, willfully, again, as always, you enjoyed this segment. You have your movie, you have your book, you have your proverb, you have your main topic that you that is up to you now to explore and to dig into. And I, I will that you do, and that you enjoy the Kama Sutra, and you start to tap into some of these sciences all right and as always my handle is at chief yuya um if you have questions questions even comments are cool questions at chief yuya.com all right i'm going to keep reiterating that because i know sometimes questions are left in comments well questions are left anywhere someone can type (laughs) it's like i'll just put it here he'll find it eventually i might find it but i may not respond to it you know i probably won't respond to or i may not be the one that finds it i have assistants who work for me so i don't um i don't i don't see all the comments and stuff like that i don't scrub them all myself and i don't even have social media accounts installed on all my digital devices purposely so whenever i go into a social media account it's usually to do something but not to like let me check my messages let me see what's on the timeline so i have those things off of this so i'm not going to see your stuff because i only check maybe those accounts maybe once every 10 days or so if that you know um and my assistants have been instructed that if there are comments or whatever tell people to send them the questions that chief you yeah so um, or questions, right? So I'm just going to put that out there now so you know. But in, in any event, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we have the Anu Retreat coming up August 24th to August 28th. So for those of you who want to attend, make sure you go to AnuLifeGlobal.org and sign up. All right. If you want to, you can ask your questions then. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, you can do that. Save your questions for the retreat. You know, um, I prefer to answer questions around the fireplace when we have them or the, the fires when we have them build sessions. You know, I know August in New Orleans doesn't really, you don't need much of a fire. <laughs> if any, if you even want to go there, the fire is really just for light, but you really don't want too much of that heat. But, uh, it does keep the bugs away. All right. But in any event, uh, I look forward to seeing you all there who are definitely attending and going to vibe out with the community and so we can uh, eat together and laugh together and cry together and all that good stuff that happens during those moments all right everyone uh enjoy the rest of your day be well peace